Hello everybody, it's Marcy from wavesofcommunication.com. Welcome to another episode of the Language Facilitation Helpline podcast, and thank you for tuning in today. The fastest results come when you enjoy the process of language facilitation. Hello everybody, it's Marcy from wavesofcommunication.com. Let's get started with the information. Welcome to the platform again and welcome back to everybody who are my new subscribers. My name is Marcy Melzer and I'm an intuitive speech language pathologist and language facilitation coach and consultant. And my platform is called wavesofcommunication.com where I equip and empower parents and caregivers all over the world to use natural spoken language facilitation and facilitate the spoken language that your late talker needs so that they can share their wisdom with the world. And today I have a very special challenge going. This is my virtual autism symptoms three-week challenge to change your child's life. And what this challenge is, is we're going to be challenging the ASD diagnosis for children who fit the criteria within that virtual autism lane. And so on this video today, we're going to be doing video number one, week number one, where we're going to get started with this sort of angle towards sort of addressing these autism symptoms in a way that's going to help you influence change in your child. And that way you can prove to anyone, anywhere, that your child is capable of learning spoken language, sharing their ideas, sharing their knowledge, engaging socially with everyone in the world, which means that they don't fit the criteria of true autism spectrum disorder, even mild autism. There's no need for any diagnosis to, I believe, overcome the symptoms that we're going to talk about in this challenge. So, Let's get started. Again, we're going to be focusing on connecting and reconnecting on this video, but let's get into everything. Just want to see there's Haley. Hi, Haley. Obviously, you can hear me okay. I just want to make sure all of that's working before we get started. Thank you for joining me. Oh, by the way, if you are joining me live, that's kind of one of the perks of joining me live on these videos, that all of the videos that I do live, I invite you to provide questions and comments in the comments section that I'll get to at the end of the video. And for those of you who are watching on the replay, it's super common to have parents have the same kinds of questions. So definitely tune into that live Q&A and post your own questions in the comments because I might address them on the next video. Okay, let's get into the content for the challenge because that's why you're here and I want to get started with the actual challenge. So 
where we're going to be talking about virtual autism and the symptoms that you see as a parent or caregiver. And this is a three-week challenge to change your child's life. And before we get into the reconnection strategies, I just want to give you some background about this and actually some additional resources to help you make the most of this challenge. And the first one is just to subscribe to my newsletter at wavesofcommunication.com. It's completely free. All you have to do is put your email in so we know how to reach out to you. And just when you subscribe, in Sundays, the next episode or uh, um, issue that I put out, you're going to get the Virtual Autism Challenge outline in a flyer. And then you're going to be continuing to receive natural spoken language facilitation guidance weekly. You can participate in research and development and especially about this virtual autism situation and um, get special consultation and meetup offers that I don't put out everywhere else. So my newsletter people are in the know. So definitely want to subscribe. And also you definitely want to watch this video. It's on my channel on YouTube. Go to the live section and look for this late talking video because it talks about your influence and how powerful your influence is. And the reality here is that you can change your child's life. You can prove it to everyone in the world because the reality is you already have changed your child's life through the habits and patterns and choices that you've made and through the environments that you've endured. And so, what I have here for you is to make sure that you're in the right place. I have a little um, a little quiz that you have. There's 10 questions in this quiz. And you can answer if you can answer yes to any of these questions, then this challenge is for you. And we're going to go through each one. And we're going to talk about why it is important for you to focus on these questions only, not anything anyone else has told you about your child or even the symptoms that you're worried about. We just want to think right now about these questions, get very present with these and answer them honestly, yes or no. Number one, have you replaced playtime or teaching with screen time for more than two hours per day. And I'm just going to say with a caveat of six months or longer, even if it's not right now, that level, if any time in your child's life, have they had more than two hours per day of screen time, particularly when someone could have been playing or teaching them? Number two, have you used videos to bribe compliance, waiting, calm, or quiet. You just went, first choice was the phone to get those things to happen. Number three, can you identify specific situations that seem to trigger these symptoms that you're all worried about to change? Can you identify what causes meltdowns? What causes compliance? Can you identify what those situations are? Number four, it's just yes or no. Number four, can you see 
eye contact, smiles in minutes. Can you make that happen just by introducing a fun surprise with this child? And number five, does the child fight back or escape when you yell or try to force them to do something? Okay, these are the first five questions. Screenshot this now if you haven't answered them or you want to share this with someone else. Now, there's five more questions we're going to go through. And again, if you can answer yes to any of these questions, this challenge is for you. Number six, did your child have access to a phone before they were 12 months old? Yes or no? For any time, even 30 minutes time. Number seven, does your child regularly initiate communication when they need you? Do they come to you and use verbal or nonverbal communication? Initiate means they come to you. Number eight, does your child require a phone to eat, sleep, or ride in a car or fill in the blank? It doesn't just have to be those three if, if a phone is required. Number nine, does your child show interest when you play or explore their favorites? Do they like it when you show them something off of technology? Number 10, is your child's speech emerging, but maybe not consistently or functionally? So the reality is, again, if any of these 10 things you can answer with a yes, then this challenge is for you. It doesn't matter what anyone else has said, what diagnosis you have, what lists of red flags that you looked at. What you're going to do is move forward thinking about this from your influence, from your ability to influence change, because this is what we're manifesting here through this challenge. Okay. So again, if you can answer any of those, yes, then how many answers did you get? And the reality is that each yes answer that you got from those lists applies to symptoms that you influenced. There was influence from you that caused some of the things that you're worried about. And the other reality is that with virtual autism symptoms, they are rooted in environmental factors that you can change. So it doesn't matter what other people have said. Remember, other people may have bias. And ASD, which stands for Autism Spectrum Disorder Bias, it challenges the facts. And the facts that we're going to be talking about in this challenge are the facts that you know about your child. And nobody knows more about your child's environmental influences and functional development than you. It doesn't matter how many standardized tests or years of experience they have. They can never know more about these things than you can, particularly when you take this challenge. Now, the question I have for you is, will you challenge this bias to change your child's future? It's up to you because remember, you have influence over this process. And 
The other reality is that misdiagnosis of ASD and its subsequent ABASD recommendations, these environmental symptoms are rooted in things you can change. And unless you change, your child's going to continue to get this diagnosis. That's what this slide says. The bias is going to continue and the recommendations for ASD will continue until you change, right? It will continue until you facilitate functional change in these symptoms, okay? This is the main thing I want to tell you. As a warning, you're going to keep getting the same outcomes and bias from people as long as your child continues to demonstrate these symptoms and you have influence over these symptoms. Now, you may have been told or sold a bag of goods that ABA is necessary to change these symptoms and somehow cure or lose the ASD diagnosis that your child never should have got in the beginning. And the reality is there is no need for rigid ABA. Even if you are a therapist, it is not your job to make kids do anything for reinforcement. It's impossible. Kids learn through fun and play. And so we're going to be talking about this kind of mindset, how influential, how influential you can be for change when you be a child's guide, their friend, and their voice. So you have these things, play, connection, facilitation, expansion, modeling, and including. You have these tools at your disposal right now. This challenge is going to show you how to use these things to overcome and combat and work with the symptoms that you see. And this week, we're going to be talking about reconnecting because the reality is that your child is showing these symptoms because they have chosen to connect with a phone or device instead of human beings around them. It's been normalized in their experience and they're stuck without any way to shift from their current level of tech-based learning into connected, interesting, functional, everyday, real-life, hands-on learning. And this is what you need to do first, is motivate and excite your child about your value as a facilitator, a teacher, a parent, a caregiver. And that's what the strategies that we're going to be talking about today. So we're going to be talking about these four symptoms that will nine out of 10 times get a child into that ASD diagnosis category. And we're going to be talking about how you can facilitate change in all of these symptoms this week through these strategies, okay? This is my workbook. If you haven't seen my language facilitation workbook, the link is in the description. The two things that are most important for you to facilitate are your mindset as a facilitator and not a therapist or ABA or prompter or anybody of that, but a natural facilitator and also your connection with the child and their connection with you. And these are things that you can analyze easily on a daily basis 
using my workbook. And you can see that I've got a green line here across uh, between level three and level four on both of these um, scales. And that is because below these levels, you don't see functional progress. You just see managing to get through the day and dealing with life as it is now maintaining the same characteristics and symptoms will happen if you stay below the line in both your mindset and connections. So you can monitor these every day in my workbook, but I wanted to let you know this is where my foundations are coming from to remind you about the strategies you need to move forward. So the first virtual autism symptom, which is what VAS stands for, that we're going to be addressing in this challenge is this one, where the child prefers technology over interactions with family, friends, and peers. And so you can see here up on the left, this little girl, there's all kinds of amazing toys behind her, but she's choosing to sit at the table and play with an iPad. Here's a little boy who has such the iPad held so close to his face, he can't pay attention to even other people who are sitting at the table with him. And number three is older kids who are at a birthday party. This boy's wearing a birthday hat. You can see the balloons in the background. And none of these children are speaking to each other, interacting with each other. They're each individually on their unique devices. And so these are the kinds of signs that you can see in behavior when your child is displaying this symptom of virtual autism, okay? They always are going to prefer tech over you, and we're going to talk about how that happens and what to do. So the first strategy is to establish the place for tech because these kids love tech. They need tech. Their tech is part of their life, and they um, resist when you try to take it away. So you have to establish the place in your life for tech to exist because you're not going to give up yours. I know you won't. So you're going to change the household tech habits by doing these five things. Number one, schedule two sessions of maximum time, 30 minute video time per day where you're not in control over what the child watches. And at least for the first week, you're just letting them have that time, but you set a timer to allow them to have it. Now, my suggestion is that you choose this time wisely because if you need to use tech to have your child maybe stay busy while you take a shower or you've got to take a work meeting or something, that's the only two times you have in a day to use tech as your babysitter. So if that's something that you absolutely need because of your schedule, that is when you schedule this time. But remember, you schedule it ahead with the child so they know when to expect their tech. Number two is activity prep. You have to develop a lot of different activities and have the materials and the equipment and the toys all ready to go clean and available to avoid boring, quiet, or lonely experiences. If your child has nothing else to do and you take away their phone, you're going to create other problems we're going to be talking about on this video. So instead of just using tech 
to avoid boring, quiet, or lonely experiences. You need to plan and prepare activities to fill those times with people, activities with people, or activities that your child is already independent with. That's how you have to fill that time. Because if you don't, they will keep looking for tech. Number three, more outdoor time, including exploration and free play. Not just kids playing by themselves, but playing with other kids or playing with you or playing with peers or siblings. More outdoor time has to replace the tech time that your child is currently using. Number four is to negotiate, and I have this in bold letters, consistent boundaries and alternatives to tech. So if they cannot have the tech, what can they have? And what is always a yes compared to tech? Things such as books or puzzles or something that is not tech related that they always have available. Number five, engage. Stop using tech to bribe, comfort, comfort, or manipulate a child. Because remember, you're using their tech time to allow you to do something else, and that needs to stop. Now, here's another strategy that will help you keep tech appropriately. Here's a picture on the right, number one, of a little boy who is all into his tech. And this woman wants to connect with the boy through technology. They'll always offer you the chance to look over their shoulder and watch what they watch. They're not connected with you. They don't even care if you are interested. They are in their tech experience and not including you. This is not a recommended use of technology for connection. Even though it's what your child likes, there are other things to do. If your child is watching videos of cooking or eating, then get out the food and start cooking. Offer your child tech experiences that are off. So here are some ideas to help you model appropriate tech boundaries. Number one, schedule your own tech time. You should not be using time that you could be spending with your child to watch your own device or listen to your own podcast. That shouldn't happen. It should be scheduled at times when the child is at school or, you know, has someone else with them. Stay present. Number two, alerts off during your time. Tech-free zones. I have here number here. And number three, move for your si- more yourself. Plan activities where you will move. Number four is create f- phone-free zones in your house. Certain places, certain rooms, certain activities, phones are not allowed. Number five, you have to be consistent over three weeks. If you decide there's no phones in the bathroom for three weeks, That means that you can't sneak yours in there. Consistency in your own. Remember, you're modeling these appropriate tech boundaries. And if you're not doing it consistently over the entire three weeks, you're not going to change your own habits and you're not going to influence the kind of change that you want to see in your late talker. Remember, you're wanting these habits and symptoms to change. So, 
Let's move on to strategy number two. Just looking at the comments. All right. And getting back here to talking about how things are getting done in your house. You need to change how these things are done if they're only getting done using tech, right? This is that um, question about do these things require technology? The reality is none of these things require technology because families have been doing all of these things since way before technology was ever experienced in human life, before we ever had computers, before we ever had even therapists. Parents were using these activities to teach fun, connected learning. And so can you. So the reality here is you need to change how things are done habitually. And it comes from digging in and doing it. Let's move forward into strategy number three, where you're going to demonstrate the connection that you want to see. And how you're going to do that is you're going to be planning more valuable connected experiences every day. And that means that there needs to be more connected experiences than you're doing right now. Because remember, you may think that you are connecting with your child and you're when you tuck them into bed or you're doing other things. But if you want to make change, you need to add more of these connected experiences every day. And so what you're going to do, it's simultaneous as you decrease the tech time these connected experiences will, uh, will increase because there will be things that you used to do without your child while they sat and watched technology. And now without that technology, you're going to have to bring your child into those experiences. And that's what that last slide was about because you're going to have to get back to old school teaching and figure out how to do it. So maybe your expectations of performance in those activities even of yourself, is going to have to change. So when we talk about how you do things, your expectations for how those things are done has to change along with the methods and the inclusion of your child in the process. Okay, so moving forward and how to demonstrate this connection is through these kinds of activities. So you're going to be engaging every day in fun exploration and play of new things, new activities, new jobs, new situations inside the house, outside the house. You're going to be engaging more than you have. And it doesn't matter if you've been talking to your child for two hours a day or five hours a day or whatever. It wasn't engaged because they were choosing to just listen and comply or whatever you're doing was prompted. You'll know the difference in how fun exploration and play feels. It's natural, it's not prompted, okay? Number two, you need to introduce more stories and home videos instead of rhymes. So if you are spending time with the child, instead of picking books that only have ABCs, pick books that have stories. Pick um, videos, home videos, so that you can tell, tell the stories of your lives. Number three, you need to allow extra time and attention, focus, 
You need to allow more messiness, allow more flexibility, all of that because you're going to be coaching these kids through jobs that you used to do for them or prompt them through. You're, you need to allow extra time and then limit your expectations, okay? So you can get a ton of connection through just the jobs that you do every day, but you need to allow extra time. And number four, you need to sing together with audio files or radio in the car. If you're not connecting or you don't know what to talk about or you're driving and nothing, put videos away and sing with the radio. Number five, pretend play to retell the stories and videos from your life. So not just looking at them on books, not just telling them or singing them in songs, really make up your own pretend play scenarios to retell those stories because this is what's going to provide the spoken language and attention and valuable information that this late talker wants to get from you. Here. Okay, so now we're going to move into the next symptom, virtual autism symptom that we're going to address in this video with connection. And this is one of those common ones that is one of those red flags that parents say the child's not doing. And this is when the child fails to respond to their name or even follow basic directions without some sort of guidance. The first strategy is to understand the child's why. And what you do is you can see that the requested experience, you have to see it through the eyes of the child from their perspective and understand it could be any one of these five reasons that the child is refusing because it's not that they're unable because we're talking about virtual autism here. And so if the child is able to look and make eye contact, especially when you do something super fun, then these are the potential reasons. These five whys are the potential reasons that a child will choose to avert their eyes or what I say, play dumb. And number one is that they're just distracted by super addictive text, sounds, colors, and animations. Maybe they're really into that um, video or the boing or the noise or whatever, and they're just distracted. So they can't pay attention or look at you or even want to because they're too distracted by these addictive things that are creating dopamine from the videos in the child's head. And number two, they just could be on purpose tuning out any people, including you, who talk down to them or judge them or ask them to do something that they don't understand. That's another one. But they're just going to tune you out, especially if they know that you're talking down or judging them. And then they just distrust unfamiliar, unkind people. So they're, nobody trusts, nobody's going to look you in the eye if they don't trust you because you aren't looking them in the eye as you make their demands, if you make demands on them, or you're forcing that eye contact instead of earning it. And that comes from unfamiliar or unkind people, people who are thinking about their own needs 
over this child. And they see that as unkind. They see pressure as unkind. And so they're not going to look or respond to unfamiliar or unkind people. This is why kids fail so many autism screenings and quickie evaluation um, tools or examinations, like if they're only seen for 20 minutes or something, because if they're unfamiliar with the person, they will not look at or respond to them, especially if that person doesn't prove their value. Number four, this child could be confused about nonverbal requests, especially prompting them to repeat or say things that they know, like what's your name and where's your nose. They're going to be confused about why you're asking those things. They don't understand the functionality of them and they will avoid making eye contact with you because it's annoying. They're confused and annoyed. Or number five, they could be afraid. They could be afraid that every time you come to them and you start making demands that they're going to be controlled, that they you won't listen to them. You'll take their things away without understanding why they need those things just because it's not time to have it or he wanted it more or it's not, you know, you've had too much, whatever. The child doesn't doesn't respond to those kinds of demands when they don't agree with those things. So these there, if you see any of these reasons, that's the first thing that you have to do is understand why the child is not responding to you. And so then you move into the next and you have to provide lots of patience and demonstration because before a child can consistently comply with demands and follow rules, they have to understand and feel good about the functionality and value of the expectation. So you can see what's going on here. Um, the It's time to clean up toys. The toys are everywhere and we can't have a little dance party until the toys are cleaned up. So this whole family is trying to facilitate cleaning up the toys. Watch how they do with evolving their connection, moving from prompting performance and see what happens when they prompt performance and see what happens when they evolve and provide more patience and demonstration. I don't know if you noticed, but there was a TV on and while the child was, while the big brother was trying to imitate or prompt him to put the toy in the basket, this little guy, Aaron, who is the late talker, looked up at the screen. He wasn't even listening to this older big brother. That's why he's got to put his hands on him. Now watch what happens. When he gave him a demonstration, instead of taking his hand to do it, he actually picked up the toy and put it in the box so Aaron could see. Now he understands the job and sees the functional benefit. So now he's independently cleaning up and even doing it faster. Okay, so let's move into another strategy. Once you understand, of course, that this child has fear or anxiety, you're going to do a lot of modeling again. But here's how you're going to connect with a child 
who isn't looking at you. Remember, you want to facilitate this repeatedly. So these are new habits that you have, and you can do this with the child. So number one, go to the child and touch them on the shoulder. Yelling at them across the room, yelling their name is not going to teach them to come, no matter how many times you say their name. So the step one is you need to habitually get up and go to the child and touch them on the shoulder and say their name nicely and only one time after you touch them. Number three, and it's unfortunate that I have to say this, but so much of the time, parents and caregivers do not greet the kids that they're caring for with a smile. Put on your smile and greet this child with a smile. Before you ask them to do anything, even look at you, touch them, say their name nicely only one time and greet them with a smile. And remember, you're going to do this every time you want their attention. So habitually, you're creating a new habit. Now, once you get them to look in your direction by smiling and talking nicely to them, then you tell them your plans and your expected outcome. It's time to go to the park. So we have to put our shoes on. I, I want to play with you. So I got your, your favorite toy ready. Tell them your plans and your expected outcome. I want you to come with me to eat lunch because it's all ready to go or whatever, because you're joining them to ask them to stop what they're doing, potentially even tech, and ask them to join you with better plans. So they need to know what those plans are so they can choose. And how they know and how they will choose is that you give them lots of details. Who is involved in this plan? What are you going to be doing? And what are you going to be using? Where will this plan take place? And when will you be doing it? And when will it be over? And why is it important that you do it on your schedule? This is what is required for you to maintain a child's value and trust in your guidance and teaching. You just have to show up every single time and let them know why you want them to join you. And then number three, you have to stick to your promises because you have to offer help and support for challenging everyday situations. You promised that you would make their life better because instead of annoying them and causing them to be distracted or annoyed or disappointed or bored or whatever by taking away their favorite technology, you offered to make their life better. So you have to stick to your promises. And how you stick to your promises is help whatever these challenging everyday situations that they can't do without tech or they need your support or they're resisting to even participate or watch you in the first place. You've got to make these things feel super easy and super fun. So you tell the child you know that they're capable. Number two, you offer hacks and strategies and accommodations that will make that job super easy and fun. 
and you add your own opinions and experiences about the job and you ask the child to join you. You don't demand because when you demand, you're going to get you're not sticking to your promises. You promise that you wouldn't demand things that the child's not ready or willing or able to do. And number five, you have to thank them in advance for trying their best instead of only reserving those high fives and good jobs for when they complete jobs on your on your schedule. You want to thank them for trying and listening and being part of the plan. Okay. All right. So now we're moving into number three, the number three strategy or or a symptom, virtual autism symptom that this child is doing and that's when they're un they're poor eye contact and they're unwilling to focus on your information they're just not looking at you at all okay and so you can see these kids here that they are covering their ears or looking away or closing their eyes and putting up fingers in front or or laying out on the couch and not wanting to do this so again Just like when the last thing that they're just sort of avoiding listening and not even responding, this is the other thing is this eye contact. How do you get them to focus on you, not just join you and listen to what you say, but how do you get them to really learn and trust you? Number one, you have to show empathy for their struggle because remember this child is late talking for a reason. They're missing developmental information that they need to move forward. And so you have to ID, identify the signs and causes of their anxiety, which is coming from their struggle, okay? So they're using tech, right, to solve these things. And so they could be self-soothing and regulating via the colors, sounds, and animations in the videos. If you swipe that away without any other self-soothing regulation, you see where we're going from this, how they're going to resist connecting with you. They're just going to think that you don't care about them. Because remember, if if their stuff is taken away, they're going to they're going to show problems. What they're going to do too, if you talk down to them or you give them something that's too challenging or demanding, excuse me, they're going to fake ignorance. Hang on. I have to have a little drink. They're going to fake ignorance to your situation. Anything that feels too boring, challenging, or demanding, they're just going to fake it that they don't know and act like they, um, need you to do it for them or need you to prompt them or need you to hand over hand because they don't want to fail. So they're just going to fake that they're doing it. And this is what also happens with performance anxiety. So they'll just shut down instead of fake, you know, like pretend they can't hold the pencil, like fake ignorance. They'll just shut down or um, leave or quit talking or quit even coming to see you. Um, because they just won't even show what they know to anybody because they might have performance anxiety from being judged, right? What they're doing is not, it's not the right time. It's not the right place. It's not the right whatever. And so they're just going to quit showing what they know. Now, confusion happens 
when, remember, they don't know what's expected of them. They don't know why you're asking to do these things, and they don't understand why it's time to give up the tech and put their shoes on because maybe you haven't explained what they should do be doing and what you expect of them. And if they're confused, they're going to be anxious. And then they might be fearful of losing control over their own ideas or experience. And that's, again, another reason that they're not going to look at you and they're not going to respond to what you ask them to do. If there's anxiety, you won't get any eye contact. So how you get eye contact over time that you never have to worry about is that you prove over time that you will meet their needs because you understand that you're listening to them and you're providing what they will. And you're going to talk about how you're going to meet those needs and why you're going to meet those needs and all of that. And you have to do all that before they're ever going to trust you to help them through challenges like learning to read or hold the pencil or do any of that stuff because they need your reassurance that you're going to meet their needs. Otherwise, they're going to escape and detach from you to meet their own needs. Listen to this experience with Aaron. And Aaron is here to say good morning on his way to school. And this is his new dinosaur friend to use. He can squeeze the dinosaur and bite the dinosaur. Bite it like this. Arrgh, I'm biting. So you can see that he wasn't listening while looking straight at me while I was talking about the dinosaur. But as soon as I started to relate to his experience and he became interested and started to process what I said, he's looking right at me. Now he's choosing to hide because this I know is a sign that he needs to really think about this and eye contact's not going to help him process but thinking about it on his own while I continue to talk will help him. And that's what I do. I don't shut down just because he went to hide and I don't tell him to come out. I just keep providing the information he needs for reassurance. Is Miss Yuma to help you at school if you need something? Yesterday, when we went to the zoo park, you got your monkey and you were eating it so much. That one is yours to eat. Yes. So you can see how he came out on his own, decided it was a good idea because I gave reassurance that it was his and he can take it. And I talked about his shadow teacher and his school. So he knows that it's his and I'm not going to take it away. And I keep reinforcing that. Look at him. Look at me. I can use this tool to take a break from work. I'm keeping this. He's like, he sees the value, not just in this chewy thing, but in the experience of using it. And I'm reassuring him that he's going to be okay because now he has his chewy dinosaur. wants you to listen at school and yeah she does she likes it when you listen yeah so you can take this dinosaur with you 
Ulama will help you keep track of it because you're not really, you don't really like to wear it around your neck. So once again, I'm talking about his struggle with this thing. Like, I'm not saying, I'm talking about how everybody's going to help make it super easy and accessible. Nobody's going to take it away. Nobody's going to put it in his backpack. Where is he going to be able to find it? Always with his shadow teacher. She will help him keep track of it because we know he's not very responsible to keep track of these things. And he really, that's reassurance that he's not going to be left without a chewy or anything else because we're going to make sure he has what he needs. But you can keep it with you because it's yours. It's your special dinosaur that you can use. You don't have to share it. You can use it just for you. Right. So you can see also that I gave him a lot of reassurance that he doesn't have to share it, that he has his own option to use it, and that he'll have support in whatever he needs to regulate without a device. Because if we're going to be decreasing this tech time significantly, if your child has hours of tech time a day, or even in the past if they had, or they're still demanding, even though you've reduced the time, but you still get pressure for them to give you more time, that's what you want to decrease. When tech time is scheduled, your child shouldn't be asking for it until that scheduled time. Okay, let's get into the next strategies that I have for you. And if you want to see better eye contact, this is what you do. Any child with virtual autism will look directly into your eyes, just like Aaron did when you say something interesting. And so here's the ways, things that you can say that are interesting to any child with virtual autism. Number one, you're going to greet them with a smile and offer new fun surprise. Find a poppy toy, find a wind-up toy, offer a new book, a new story, a new joke, a new song, anything to help your child draw attention to you that makes you attractive. And you see, once again, greet them with a smile. Always put on your happy face. And that's what you're going to get in response because these late talkers are mirroring you. Number two, demonstrate a fun game for them to try. A song, a clap, a handshake, uh, something like that. Demonstrate and make it super easy and super, you know, exciting that you do a cheerleading routine when they're done. Number three, offer an experience you know they enjoy before you ask them to do things. So even if that experience is giving your special handshake or singing a song or picking out the clothes that they have to wear to school, Offer an experience you know they enjoy before requesting. And you have to plan ahead to think about that because remember, you're asking for them to connect on their terms. Number four, compliment. Compliments always get eye contact. Compliment any demonstrated talent, skill, or ability that happened now, that happened yesterday, that happened last week. That's always a way to get eye contact. When I was in Australia, I spent a lot of time talking around the late talkers 
with other people in their life about all the cool things they did. And these kids couldn't stop watching me. They love to hear the story of their successes. So you have to retell those stories to grandmas and aunties and uncles and mom or dad or the babysitter or whoever's coming. Really remind everybody that you are watching to see all the amazing things. And when you see it, you appreciate it so much that you keep talking and bragging about it. That's how you get a child to show up over and over and look you right in the eyes. They want to hear you talk about them. They also want to hear you talk about you. They want to talk about your common experiences and your opinions and the last time you ate a spicy pepper and how you couldn't stop sneezing or how when daddy farted in the car and everybody made stinky faces. All of those common experiences, your late talker wants to hear about them. Instead of asking them to retell their life, tell them about yours. They will look you right in the eye and listen. Number six. Thank the child for spending time with you because they are giving you their valuable time and attention on their choice. It's not demanded and you should appreciate that. So here is another quickie tip. If you want to trigger eye contact with any child so you know that it's a virtual autism situation, just talk to them in the mirror while you're doing something together. Look at this little boy watching his dad demonstrate how to shave with his little shave cream. And this mom having selfie faces and putting on filters or whatever they're doing. This is how you create eye contact because even though it's not directly in your eyes, kids will always look at themselves and look back to you and look at themselves in the mirror or in the selfie video or, or photo. So keep doing these kinds of activities to trigger eye contact and you will see it easily within days, not even a week. Okay. The last virtual autism symptom that we're going to be talking about this week that you can control this week is a biggie. This is the impulsivity behavior when they escape, when they make messes, when they become aggressive, throwing things. I just had Kieran make a comment on my in my community about this kind of situation when you see impulsive activity. And it happens especially when tech or something that the child wants or needs is removed from their life. And you're going to see anger. They're going to want to fight you. They're going to want to escape like this little guy on the right. They don't care. They'll leave the gate open so the dog can get out. They don't care. Or they'll make super big messes, throw things around and create because they are just so frustrated. Okay, so let's talk about strategies to work with this massive virtual autism symptom. Okay, that's what we're going to do first is we're going to find the source of loss. Just like the other ones, you need to do some investigation before you can start changing because remember, all behavior is communication, including impulsivity. We think the child has no control over it. However, we do know what triggers it. What triggers it is a subconscious or conscious feeling of loss. The child feels as if they've lost something that they can't live without. They don't know when they're ever going to get it again. 
and they start to panic. So impulsive behavior comes from panic and feeling like you're manipulated. So number one, regulation. How does technology time or whatever this child lost help them regulate energy? Because it's going to be one or more of these four things that the late talker has lost, this child with virtual autism, in order to trigger the symptoms that you are seeing, these impulsive symptoms, running, fighting, fight or flight, basically. When they're not regulated, they'll go into fight or flight. So what is helping them? What is it about it? Is it the tone? Is it the music? Is it the repeated video? Is it that 30 seconds of watching somebody go boing and fall down? What is it that helps them regulate their energy? Or is it even the phone that does that? Is it just sitting in that one place? Is it listening with the headphones? How does that experience help them? Number two, how does that experience stimulate them? Is it triggering their learning or excitement? That's different than stim to regulate their energy. This is stimulation that causes their learning, their dopamine, their, wow, feelings of success, all of that stuff, right? What's triggering this learning to explore more, dig more, create the excitement that they want to have from satisfaction? Number three is security. How does this tech time protect the child from suffering? Are they using it as a shield from people because they don't want to connect with people? They prefer to connect with the thing. Do they have more control over the tech than people are trying to have over them? How does it protect them from suffering? Suffering means anytime they are asked to do something they don't want to do, they puts them into fight or flight, right? So they don't want to go into fight or flight and do this impulsive activity. So they retreat into their phone for security. Number four, how does tech time offer opportunity for success? So is your child mastering a game? Have they learned how to find their videos in multiple languages? What sorts of problem solving and achievements are they using technology to do? And you want to know these things, right? Because if taking away the phone triggers one of these sources of loss, that's when the impulsive behavior comes. So you need to understand the background behind what is it about the tech experience that triggers these things. Because once you find all that out, then you can move forward and replace the phone with other things, a better experience. And so even for all of these things, these are other non-tech alternative ways for the child to experience functional success with stay regulated. Do they need to chew like Aaron did? Do they need to be walking or jumping? Is music involved? Is dance involved? Is all of the uh, one of those things that is not tech related going to help the child regulate through other functional activities? Remember, whatever they're using the phone for, maybe they need to jump while they brush their teeth. Maybe they need to dance or listen to music or, you know, have some chewing experience. This is what you need to decide because you're going to learn what the child needs tech for 
and you're going to explore alternative ways. Once you explore them, you're going to have to use trial and error to find which ones the child likes. But this is what you're doing this week is offering alternatives. Number two, stimulation comes from problem solving, exploring challenges, even physical challenges like obstacle courses or um, basketball, riding bikes, things like that. Or cooking. How do you make the recipe? How do we make the cookies taste good? How do we make the tea taste sweet? All of those things are stimulation for your child's brain that will keep them interested in activities that are not tech related. Number three, security. If you are not using consistent rules, negotiating boundaries and creating win-win situations before you take the child's toy away or even take it away from another kid and give it back to this kid. That's not consistent rules. That's chasing after people who break them. Consistent rules and boundaries teach kids how to play together and share toys or take turns with toys. But these have to be supervised win-win experiences so that kids feel security. Otherwise, they're going to test those rules and break them without any negotiated boundaries. And then you're going to be chasing them down the hallway or fighting with them because these securities, these necessary structure and securities to help a child feel safe are not in place. So these are the things that are necessary to help a child stay with you and you don't have to manhandle them and you don't have to chase them when you explore other alternative ways to help a child consistently feel success. And you're going to do these every day, of course. These are habits, new habits. Number four is confidence. How are you practicing skills? with this child and offering realistic expectations so that they can meet the skills every time. They are seeing challenges overcome. They're meeting the next level. They're doing things more independently without you either having to manhandle them, chase them down to do it, or literally put your hands on them to make it happen. When you offer a better experience, you won't have any resistance. And that's what's causing the virtual autism symptoms is resistance. Now, the other thing that you need to do here to maintain this child's connection with you is you have to motivate, motivate repeat performances. You want them to come again and again and again, not just once a day, but all through the day. And how you get them is to show up is that you have to proactively show up with them. For every activity that you engage with, from waking up in the morning, getting dressed, getting breakfast, all the way through everything you have to do in the day to the time you go to bed at night, you proactively show up with new ideas to connect and have fun with each one of these kinds of things. Because the, here's how you do it. Five strategies. You have to prioritize connection. Schedule your times and show up ready without your own tech, without your own other things. If you've got to have your other kids in tow, this is a group activity. But you're prioritizing connection with the other humans in that activity. It doesn't have to be one-on-one, -on -one, but you have to be 100% there with the group. Number two, plan ahead. Create a list of go-to activities ready for every mood 
What do we do to calm down? What do we do to get excited? What do we do to wait in line? All of these things you can do without technology. And you need to create a list of them that go for every mood. So you are ready to go with alternatives. And you need to demonstrate patience and trust because habit, shakes, habit change takes time and consistency from both the modeler, which is you, and the attention of the child. And without everyday work and patience and trust that you are doing it, not doubting the fact that your child might have this or that or this or that, listening to bias, all of those things. Remember, time and consistency is the only thing that is going to get you through this challenge because some of these habits are pretty stuck in their habits and they are your child's comfort zone and you are motivating them to move beyond it, right? Remember, you have to keep trying. Pay attention to work, what works and what doesn't and get creative because just as I said, the biggest changes happen when you get out of your comfort zone and you try new things that the child is will be interested in, maybe not the first time, maybe not the second time, but before, uh, you know, maybe three or four times in. Okay, everybody. So before we talk about what's going to happen next week, I just want to open up for questions to see there are a few people watching and make sure that you like this video and subscribe to my channel and share the challenge with other people. This video is going to be up for a month so that you have a chance to come back and review. There's a lot of information in these slides where you can come back to learn the strategies over and over again. It's not very cut and dry. This is a natural process where you have to intuitively start to shift the child's focus and attention from the technology onto you as a parent or caregiver. And you absolutely can see a massive change in just one week when you focus on this connection. Okay, so next week and when on Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern, we're going to be talking about the week two using structure to work through strategies. And we're going to be digging into some of the more significant virtual autism symptoms that really resemble autism spectrum disorder. And remember, every week I'm giving you strategies that you can use to facilitate change within that week to get the change started. That doesn't mean that you're done after one week. This is how you get things started because once you get connection, you're going to add on to that the structure you need because you're not going to get any structure without connection. So that's the point of why you need a week to work through these strategies before you can introduce structure. Maybe you've been working with me and you've been using my book to establish connection and you're ready for structure. I get that because more some of you may be farther along in this process than other people did. Um, however, I'm just going to encourage you to go back to your basics and reestablish connection. Look for all the ways that your child is potentially choosing to disconnect and double down on those things. Increase your child's independence, increase their eye contact, increase their focus and the duration of time that they'll stay with you 
as far as maintaining this connection because the more time you can get them to stick around for super fun, super interesting, super creative ideas, the more likely you are to get them to stick around when you have to structure them through things that are challenging or things that they're expected to do by people who won't be as accommodating as you are. And remember, without this connection and trust that you are better than technology, they won't give it up. That's their comfort zone. So that's what we're having to move forward with. And here's the activities or the, the strategies you're going to learn next week are going to help you work with these symptoms. Number one, stimming and repetitive behaviors that are often labeled as autism and sometimes on the more severe end of autism because mild autism doesn't always have these. So scripted and repetitive speech or echolalia, we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about motor coordination and regulation, how to, I just gave you a few strategies today. We're going to be talking about how to facilitate that, especially for a child who is unregulated often throughout the day, who has been labeled as having sensory integration or sensory regulation problems. We're going to be talking about that next week. But remember, you're not going to facilitate things without these things without a better connection. And then the other thing is we're going to talk about poor attention to structure where maybe the late talker will pay attention to they'll watch a whole movie or they'll, you know, build by themselves, but they won't work cooperatively and they won't learn from the teacher and they won't learn things that are new to them. So this is what we're going to be talking about next week. And without your level of connection increased, you're not going to be able to see that level of change in by when you add structure, you could just be frustrating yourself. So it's important that you take this part. It's important that you sign up for my newsletter. So also with my newsletter, you're going to be um, automatically directed to get a seven page get started guide. Um, if you haven't tried any of my workbooks out or um, my if it isn't fun, it isn't fun book. There's a lot of good information in here to help you get started in a written PDF form. I'm creating just tons of resources to help parents who are new to the platform get started with kids who are late talking in 2023 and the school systems and diagnostic systems and medical systems and all of those things that are kind of confused by this whole virtual autism situation. Your process through this challenge will be super important for me to learn about. So I'm hoping that those of you who are willing to take this challenge and challenge your child's ASD diagnosis by facilitating the symptoms of virtual autism yourself, seeing change yourself, and saying no thank you to diagnoses ABA therapies and hardcore pressurized intervention methods that are super expensive and not even appropriate for children with virtual autism. Save your money, save your time, save your worry. Invest your time in this challenge to focus at least two or three hours every day with your late talker, replacing tech time that either is there now, and it could be replacing boredom time, it could be replacing isolation time, all of that. 
bit by bit over this week, you're going to increase the time of your connection to five or six or seven hours a day. And if you can't connect for all that time, then have your child's nanny or caregiver or maid or auntie or uncle or father or mother or the other person, people in your child's life, watch this challenge as well and split the time between you. Because if someone else is with your child six hours a day, it's their responsibility to spend the vast majority of that time connecting with your child off of technology. So this is the method that you can use to help any nanny or anybody who's caring for your child follow your wishes to avoid the technology and reestablish connection and learning. Okay, so I'm not seeing any questions. This must be super clear for all of you. Thank you so much for joining me on this video. I know there was a lot of information. If you're watching on the replay and you have questions, go ahead and post them in the comments. And we'll talk about Q&A potentially at the beginning of the video next week. So thanks again for taking the challenge. I appreciate the journey. I appreciate the struggle because I know that these languages, the, these strategies come rolling off my tongue and sound very easy, but change is really challenging for some families and some late talkers. It all depends on how long they've been stuck in isolated tech habits. And these things take time to change. However, three weeks of dedicated, connected two to three hours a day using the strategies in the videos of this challenge, you should be able to see change. And I want to know about it. So put your comments in the comments and I'll see you on the next one. Bye for now, everybody. With a whole range of waves of communication resources, from free content to customized coaching, you now have access to everything you need to elevate spoken language to infinite success. You are welcome to get your journey started with my 11-week language facilitation journey to speech workbook. You can access this workbook and all of the language facilitation resources on my website, wavesofcommunication.com.